Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. Happy 2021. Um, My name is Carrie, and I'm excited this is the first time I'm able to come and talk with you all in the new year. Um, And I want to start out with just sort of a random question that you can answer in the chat if you're joining us live this Sunday. Um, What is one unexpected benefit that has come out of the COVID season for you? One unexpected positive thing that you maybe um, weren't expecting, didn't think would happen. Um, My short list right now includes um, that I don't have to pay library fines right now because I was notoriously late at bringing everything back. So so that's good news for me. Uh, Maybe you have something that's that's kind of a random positive as well. Uh, But as we go into this new year, as we look back at COVID, I know there's been a lot of things that are negative, a lot of things that have been struggles and challenges. Um, And yet I also believe that COVID is forcing us to have a perspective shift. It's forcing us to to make some changes, to to confront some things that maybe need to change. And this is especially true when we look at our relationships. Last week, Tom talked about loving God, and this week we're going to be talking about loving people. And I think relationships are one of those huge ways where we see COVID kind of having this this double-edged sword effect, right? There's been some really negative and some really challenging things about our relationships during COVID, but then it's also um, allowing us to have perspective and maybe look at some things that really haven't been healthy all along. Um, Tom has been talking about this idea of rebuilding, rebuilding your broken world and starting with ourselves. And sometimes when we think about rebuilding, you know, we think about just, okay, demolishing something and starting over. And last week, Tom talked about how loving God is really, it's really that idea of laying that firm foundation so that whatever we build on is built in Christ, built on a solid ground. And that is, that is crucial. That is important. Um, if we don't have a firm foundation, then, then nothing else that we build on is going to be solid, is going to work. Um, but a lot of times when, you know, when we've built on that foundation, or if you decide this week, this, whenever you decide to start building on that foundation, um, we're going to find that sometimes from time to time, the house that we've built still needs some work. It still needs some renovation. It still needs some restoration. And it doesn't always mean a complete overhaul, a complete destroying of what's already there, but it's, it's looking at our lives and saying, okay, what is working right now in this season? Um, you know, is this, is this space that we had in our living room? Is that working for our kids right now? Is, is this area over here? Um, is it really streamlined? Is it practical? Do we need, uh, do we need a dishwasher? Do we need to pull up the carpet. What does it look like for us to re-envision the space that we have and make it be the fullest and the best use that it could be? And I think that's true in our relationships as well. Uh, we want to look at the, the potential and the beauty of, of our relationships, but a lot of times that requires us to, to do some work. And uh, what I love about you know a lot of these TLC, TLC shows, um, home improvement shows, maybe you have your favorites. Uh, there's there's a few that just they have people come in and just take something that looks gross, that looks like it, it doesn't have a lot of potential, and they completely rearrange it. They completely restore a section, and the outcome is breathtaking. In fact, there's one show that's called Good Bones, and I love that concept. It's like if like like we talked about, if you have that solid foundation, if you have good bones, then you just restore what's broken. 
um, and a lot of times when we start a restoration project, it's there's a catalyst. There's some kind of um, instigating factor that causes us to to make changes in our home. Um, Maybe it's you move into a home and you want to make it your own. You know, when we first moved into the home we have, there was carpet in the kitchen. And obviously that didn't fit our home because kids and pasta sauce, period. So we, we wanted to get rid of that carpet in the kitchen. Uh, maybe for you it's, okay, we, you, you know, you have a, a pleasant surprise. You're going to have a baby and you think, okay, we got to actually work on that room and make it into a nursery now. Um, but sometimes, sometimes it's not positive changes. Sometimes it's um, it's something negative, unforeseen that happens that causes us to need to make a change. Uh, so recently, this happened for my friends Brent and Kathy. Um, we had a couple weeks back, I think, just that really torrential rain, and it wasn't a crazy, crazy storm. It wasn't like a hurricane that completely came in and, and destroyed the the integrity of the home. Um, but it rained so much that, that for Brant and Kathy and maybe for others in East Hampton and around this area, there was flooding in the basement. Their basement just, it, it took on a lot of water. And the sad thing was they wanted to turn this room into a, a playroom and kind of have it be this fun. They had envisioned this, this really cool idea for this room. And then suddenly they had to go in and like, okay, now, now they got to rip out carpet. They said they had to like um, take out uh, drywall to a certain level because that had been compromised. Um, you know, they had to look at, you know, is their floor rotting? Is there anything else, um, destroyed? And, but they, it caused them to say, okay, this thing happened, but why did it happen? And at some point it caused them to say, what well, this, this rainstorm revealed a vulnerability. It revealed the fact that something is not working because if it was working, we wouldn't have had all this water in our home. And so it caused them to go and look and do some digging. And what they found was that there apparently was not an outer wall in part of their basement. So they had the, they had the inside wall, but there was just, I have a picture here actually you can look at. There's no outer wall. So that's gonna be a problem. That would be something that you're gonna to have to address then because if you don't address that, it's gonna come up again. You're gonna have this issue happen again. And so they knew that they had to address the root of the problem the source. And I think this is true for us and our relationships. Um, when we look at um, the things right now in our lives that may not be going well, um, these are all symptoms, right? So you may have things like this. These are some of the things that even I've dealt with this past year. Anger problems in the home, poor communication, maybe an imbalance of shared responsibility where you're suddenly realizing I've been taking on so much or this person's been taking on too much and now they can't keep up with it. Unforgiveness, resentment, uh, financial issues that are, that are impacting your relationships, maybe stress or anxiety, coping management issues. Um, maybe COVID has kind of surfaced some unhealthy parenting patterns that you have. Uh, I know it's definitely done that for me. Maybe it's a sense of isolation Maybe it's, um, it's insecurity in our relationships. Maybe we're, we're not really sure how to navigate uh, certain friendships or relationships uh, in light of COVID. How do, we, how do we respond to our friends when we don't have the time or the, uh, the, the ways that we used to hang out? Um, and so again, for most of us, COVID didn't cause these problems. Okay, yes, yeah, some, some, in some cases, COVID has caused new problems. But for a lot of these things, COVID actually just kind of put a stress on the, the problems that were already happening, and it just revealed vulnerabilities. 
And so we need to get to the root of these vulnerabilities, the root of these issues, to find out what God might be asking us to change and shift in this new year. Um, because I think what happens is a lot of times we get into survival mode and maybe, and maybe initially during COVID, especially at the very beginning when we went into quarantine, everyone was in survival mode. And I think that's natural. When we have a crisis, there's a certain amount of time where we have to just be like, okay, we're reorienting what's happening. We're kind of reacting to, to changes. But at some point we have to move back into um, thriving instead of surviving, which is part of what we're talking about in this series. Um, but that's hard. And the truth is that it takes more effort to stay in survival mode than it does to stay in thriving mode. It takes more effort in the long run to survive than to thrive. Because when we're in survival mode, everything is like, okay, we're, we're dealing with this crisis right now and we're reacting to that. And then when the crisis ends, we're just trying to sit for a minute and catch our breath. And it's exhausting right? Or, or we're pretending that everything's fine. We're trying to just like do everything like we used to do it. We're trying to pretend that we can be normal and it's exhausting pretending. It's exhausting pretending that there are no problems, right? And God does not want us to live in survival mode. He has come that we would have life to the full. And so he wants us to be thriving, but that requires us to do hard work initially, like Tom talked about. The problem is that a lot of times we view moving to thriving and we look at the hard work it's going to take to get there and it looks like it's too much work. Um, this happened with me. I, I went to a counselor for a while for a parenting issue, actually, and the counselor would give me homework and she'd say, all right, work on this, try this and come back next week. And I'd say, sure, I'll do that. And then I'd come next week and uh, a lot of times I just wouldn't have done the work. And she was like, it's serving you somehow. You think it's serving you somehow to not do these steps. And it's true. It felt like too much work at the time. It felt like so much effort. But what I didn't see was that I was staying stuck in survival and I was spending a lot of energy to stay in survival. So when it comes to our relationships, what are the root issues? And I really believe we're talking about this passage from Matthew about that the, the most important commands are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I really believe that if we look at these issues, these, these symptoms, anger and, and isolation and resentment, these are going to come down to love issues at the root. So how do we focus on love and how do we get back into um, loving people and thriving even in the midst of COVID? So I want to just offer three sort of areas that we can work on, three practical tips for, for loving well in this season. And the first thing that we have to remember is that love recognizes the problem. Love recognizes the problem and speaks it out. Um, Ephesians 4, 25 through 32 says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. What I love about this passage is it, it talks about 
speaking out, speaking, uh, putting off falsehood and speaking truthfully to each other. And uh, this is so significant because unless we are able to look at something honestly, to deal with something honestly, uh, we, we cannot fix it. We cannot allow God to heal it or restore it. Um, if Brant and Kathy had just, you know, looked at the problem in their basement and said, oh, well, this is a problem. But, well, you know, if they refused to, to actually look for the source of the problem, um, that, was, that, that issue would happen again. The rain would come again and the flood would happen again. Um, so speak out what is not working, speak out what is not healthy and don't let it sit. Don't let it fester. This passage says, you know, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. This is, this is a call to, to deal with things quickly so they don't, um, turn into something like resentment and bitterness. Um, God does not want us to have the rage and the anger and the bitterness in order to deal with those things though. We have to speak them out. We have to address them. And so I would encourage you to, even even today, even this week, take stock of the relational vulnerabilities in your life. Where do you see vulnerabilities in your life, um, maybe that COVID has sort of brought to the surface? Where are those anger issues? Where are you feeling unseen or unloved? Do you feel like... um, um, just distant or resentment or, or, or different emotions, address those things. Be honest about those things because love does not let things sit and fester. It acts, it calls things out. And as Tom said last week, this takes hard work, um, but hard work is required to move us out of, of that survival mode and into thriving mode. Um, so if you are feeling unseen or resentful, um, you know, maybe it feels needy to, to bring something up or to talk about it, but we, we have to have that hard conversation. We have to bring it up. Um, and this allows us to, to begin to dream, to begin to, to have a clearer vision for what could be, right? When we speak something out, we're actually allowing something beautiful to take place, to take the place of the unhealthy um, relationship or, or friendship that we've developed. So love recognizes the problem. Okay. It, it speaks out the problem, but second love repents, love repents, which really is, is an idea of turning towards change, turning towards God's turning, turning towards God and his heart and turning, um, our hearts towards his Romans 12, nine through 21 says this love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And this verse 18 is a key verse. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, 
the, the clear message here is, you know, when we first address a problem, we realize there's something wrong, but our initial reaction and our next step is often to say, what is someone else doing wrong? We start pointing the finger. We start casting blame. We start saying, okay, this is what this person needs to fix. This is what that person needs to change in order to make this relationship healthy. And God is saying, you know what? I have not called you to control someone else. Nope. The fruit of the spirit is not others control. It is self-control. And God is asking us, what does it look like for you to make the first step to love and make this relationship healthy, to, to look at this problem and ask what you can do to be part of the, the result, the, the, um, the positive change. Um, and I shared this story a couple years back, I think. Um, so I'll give you the recap version, but there was a time where I took my kids to McDonald's and when we left, I went out to the car and I, it was locked. So I tried to get in, took my key out, tried to unlock it. Nothing was working. And it took me a full like three minutes, like an idiot to realize that I was standing in front of the wrong car. I was trying to use my van key on someone else's van. It was the same make and the same model. It was the same color, but my van was two spaces over. And God gave me this clear image of, you know, Carrie, how many times it's ridiculous for you to sit here trying to use your key on someone else's van. We know that's not going to work. But how many times in our lives do we point our van key at somebody else and, and wait for them to change? We're trying to make them do their thing. And God says, your key works on you. Your key only works on you. What have I called you to do? And you need to take that first step. And this, this passage makes it very clear. Sometimes we're going to make that first step and someone is going to still persecute us. They're going to still do something um, that's not good. They're, they're going to maybe repay us in a way that's not kind. But God says, it doesn't matter what they do. You take that first step to love because this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus never waited for us to come to him. He never waited for us to become perfect. He said, I'm going to come down to you. I'm going to come to earth. I'm going to die for you before you're perfect, before you're cleaned up, because I love you and love takes the first step. What does it look like to do that in our lives? Um, it's interesting. Right now I look around on Facebook and um, you know, in the world in general, and so much of the division, so much of the hatred I see is, is finger pointing. It starts with us saying, well, I don't have to do, I don't have to change anything until that person changes. You know, that, that political group, that social justice group, look what they did. And so if they're going to do that, then it doesn't, then, then I'm justified in what I'm doing. And we don't want to take that first step to change. And this is the same thing that happened in Jesus's time. Jesus, uh, there was a man actually that he was talking to once and the man said, you know, what is the, what is the greatest commandment? What is, what's most important? And Jesus turned it to him and he said, well, what do you say? How do you read scripture? And the man says, answers correctly. He says, the, the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus tells the man that he's answered correctly. But then the verse says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asks Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He wanted to justify himself. And that, that phrase has been just like, uh, really sitting with me and um, stirring up something in my soul. And I think I may have to blog about that because, um, because really, when, how often do we do this? That we want to justify ourselves. And the real thing that he's trying to, to do is, if, if I'm okay, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, how far do I have to love? Who do I have to love? And how far? It's, it's qualifying, it's quantifying 
when is enough love? What, what love is, uh, when can I just stop? When do I have to not worry about, about loving? And Jesus says, no, we love all the time. There are no limits on love. There's no, it doesn't matter what someone else does or does not do. You love as I've called you to. Um, we don't wait on the world to change before we start loving. And especially in our families, in our, in our close relationships right now, often um, these, are the, these are the people that see the real parts of us, the, the ugly parts, the, the day in and day out, ups and downs. These are the people that we tend to fall apart and vent and be insecure around. And um, again, a lot of times we can have resentment. We can be waiting for our family members, our spouse, our friend, or our mom, our kid to change. And God wants us to look at ourselves how can we do that in practical ways? Um, my friend Michelle Dayton was talking with me this week, and she gave me a really beautiful example. And she said, you know, she she's sort of living um, as many of you might be. She's living on her own. So whereas my my COVID problems are that I'm stuck in a home with six people, and I would cut off my right leg to have 30 minutes by myself. But Michelle is um, is feeling the opposite. She she's isolated. She's feeling you know disconnected from people right now during COVID, and that's been a huge challenge. Uh, but she told me this, and I love it. She said when she's feeling something, when she's feeling a negative emotion, you know, a loneliness or needing encouragement, she says, I put what I feel that I'm missing into action. I put what I feel I'm missing into action. Hashtag Michelle Dayton. Um, I love that. So she said she she looks at the things that she's wishing she had more of in her life, and she's using that to spur her on to take action to love other people. So for her, that's looked like, um, you know, she loves kids. She loves reaching out to people. She started doing um, birthday grams where she shows up at someone's house with music and sometimes like confetti and she celebrates them, you know, social distance. She's found ways to love people. She's stopped by to do that for my kids. She has, um, you know, left, sent me a gift from time to time. And another really simple thing she said is when someone comes to her mind, I know we feel like we don't have a lot of time right now. Maybe we're, we're, um, doing more with the kids, doing more, having to like work harder to get things done during COVID. But something as simple as she says, when someone comes to her mind, she tries to text them to let them know that she was thinking about them because something that simple lets someone know they're not alone. Uh, And so what are some ways, what are some things that we can be doing right now um, to not just look at where we're lacking, but to to actually turn around and um, use that feeling to, to give us a clue as to how we might be able to serve other people. Um, So I was really glad that she shared that with me. And it actually leads me to my third point. We have to recognize that there's a problem, right? With love recognizes a problem and then love repents. Love asks, what do I need to change in this situation? But the third thing is that love receives help. Love receives help. I think it's very hard for us sometimes, especially there's certain personalities or certain people that we just have a hard time receiving help. And so we're going we're gonna to stay in survival mode because we're like, I'm just going to keep doing this and I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push through. And even with little things, you know, my friend asked me the other day, oh, what's your favorite coffee? Uh, you know, text me your favorite coffee and I can bring it to you sometime. And I was like, oh, that feels selfish, right? It feels selfish to like give her my coffee request. And, but I realized this person wants to love me and I need to let her love because 
Because loving others also means letting them love us. And the truth is that there's two things about letting others love us that, um, two critical things that it helps us remember. First of all, is that we are human. We are all prone to weakness. We all have faults. We all have needs. That is a natural part of being human. And in fact, it's, it's part of what Tom talked about last week. We were made for community. We were not made to go this alone. And so when we allow others to help us, it's really just acknowledging the fact that God has put us in a body together because we need each other, because we were meant to to work our best in community. And being able to receive help is is really um, that, that humble reminder that we need others. And the second thing is, though, that it, it reminds us that everyone has dignity. Everyone has dignity given to them by God. And this dignity means they have something to offer the world uniquely. They have a way to serve. They have, no matter their income level, no matter their their, uh, education level, everyone has a gift and an ability to serve. And we allow others to, to recognize their own dignity when we allow them to love us and serve us. Um, this is just as a super simple story. I went to the grocery store a few years ago and my youngest, my youngest son, David, uh, was three years old, I think. And when we walked in, there was this, there was this woman there down the, down the bread aisle and she's just kind of talking to herself and, you know, I'm I'm just kind of fascinating watching her. She just seemed like she didn't care what anyone thought of her. She was just, you know, seemed super happy talking, chatting away. And at one point she saw my son and she of course looked at him and she's like, Hey, Hey, do you want, do you want a treat? Hey, look over here. And then we were in front of like the hostess aisle. And she's like, what do you want? Pick out, pick out two things, whatever you want. And of course, as a mom, I'm sitting there like, do, do, do I let her get Twinkies for my kid? Like, I don't even know if he's ever had a Twinkie. That's probably not very healthy for him. But I had this moment, probably, I just think God probably just gave me this sense that, you know what? This is a good thing. This is a good thing. Let her, let her do something for your son. And so of course he is like, yeah, I'll receive help. Kids, are a beautiful, kids have a beautiful way of teaching us what God wants us to be like, right? They have no inhibition with receiving, I think. Um, and that's a beautiful reminder. We can look at kids and, and learn something from them. Um, so he's like, yeah, get me Twinkies. Great. So he goes and picks his things. And we followed this woman. She's like, come on, babe. Come on, follow me. We walk down. We walk to the aisle. And, uh, you know, I think she even was using like food stamps, which is another thing. I think we have this stigma like, oh, you know, there's people who help and there's people who receive. And if you, if you receive food stamps or if you receive help or if you receive whatever, then, then you need to always be on the receiving end and someone else is on the giving end. But that's not true. So many of us have been on the receiving end, right? I've, I've had to, to use WIC and other forms of, of help because we, we all at one point or another are going to be in that place. And sometimes I think people need to realize that they have something to offer as well, that just because they may receive a lot of things doesn't mean that they can't also be the one giving. And in this very small way, I think this woman just needed to be on that end to give something to someone else. And what was so beautiful when we left the store, um, she looked at my son and she's like, I love you, babe. I love you. And she, she walked out and my son, I'll never forget, he looked back at her and he said, I love you too. And it was just this reminder to me, this, this is what love is. You know what? We all have something to give and we all have something um, that we need from others. Second Corinthians 8, 13 through 14 says it this way. Um, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. 
And I know this verse is talking about generosity in the body of Christ and generosity towards one another, but I think it's the same with love, right? There are times during COVID when I have not had the energy to to be uh, my best self, to, to love well. I have a hard time just doing what's right in front of me to do. And in those times, I rely on other people to reach out, to show love and grace to me. And then there's other times where you or someone you know is gonna be in that situation where you feel just depleted and empty and you need someone to help you. And that's where, where I can step in, where someone else can step in and fill you when you're low. Um, and so maybe we just find ways to give and receive love during this season, um, to ask for help even, to, to not be afraid to ask for help because it is allowing others, it's giving others the opportunity to, to rise up and to, to um, recognize their own capacity to serve and that's a beautiful thing. It's not selfish. It's really, it's really a gift. So as we, tr- as we look at the house that we have, as we look at as what God wants to do to restore and renovate our relationships, um, I always want to end with this idea that God wants to restore things to make them beautiful. So we, we don't want to just focus on the negative things. Yes, we want to call those out. Yes, we want to address them. But the end goal is that God wants to restore our lives and our relationships so that they flourish and they are this beautiful um, picture of, of His love for us. And so may we just leave with that sense, not with the sense of all the, the negative things and the broken things. You know, when you walk in on that show, the TLC show, and you see the first, the before picture, let's look at the after picture. Let's look at what God wants to do as we allow him to change our relationships and love more deeply. God, thank you so much for who you are, for the kind of love that you show to us. Um, and God, I ask that you would help us in very tangible ways to be, to be honest about what is uh, broken in our relationships, about what's vulnerable, and that we would allow you to work in and through our lives, um, that we would both be able to give and receive love in new ways this week. Um, we love you and uh, just thank you for the opportunity to, to serve others in your name. Amen.